Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am excited to have some experts with me today. I am joined by Lisa Kelly and Ruvi Makuni. Lisa is the president and founder of Kelly Wellness Consulting, Inc. and the Workplace Wellness Center of Excellence and has been cultivating healthy changes in the workplaces for individuals across the globe for over 25 years. Lisa's mission is to create an innovative and collaborative landscape for workplace wellness that fosters inclusive and responsive wellness solutions, benefiting employees, employers, and communities. As a certified executive coach, she supports the well-being and professional growth of senior leaders. Ruby is a global workplace wellness specialist and a certified stress master associate who is passionate about supporting organizations to empower their teams so that they can thrive in their careers without sacrificing their health. As an in-home personal trainer for busy professionals in 2014, Ruby started to notice that many professionals were on a never-ending treadmill, suffering physically and mentally from the toll of the go-go-go lifestyle. She thus pivoted her career and made it her core mission to highlight the impacts of stress on modern-day professionals and how organizations can support their employees in managing stress and preventing burnout. Lisa, Ruby, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thank you. Thank it's you. nice to be Thank here. Yes, I am so excited to have you guys. Uh, mental health uh, is something I'm very passionate about and tend to be outspoken about my own mental health. So really excited to have you guys on the couch today to dig into our topic. Um, but before we get there, I like to break the ice with a little woosah moment that I call buzzword banishment. Uh, so we'll start with you, Lisa. Tell me what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? Well, it's a buzzword that I hear so much. And it's, uh, I guess it's two words. It's called crazy busy. And how many of us have used those words? I'm crazy busy. I'm super busy. I'm crazy busy. And I thought it was really fitting for the topic and talking about executive stress and mental health. So yeah, it's it's one that I just wish we would just eliminate from our vocabulary because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we just further ingrain the fact that we are stressed when we use those that term, right? Well, guilty. Uh, that is one that I definitely can say. I use all the time. I actually think I just said it this morning. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we're going to put that one in the box yeah. and not be crazy busy. Yeah. Uh, Ruby, what about you? Well, I wouldn't necessarily banish it, but I instead of work-life 
balance. I prefer work-life integration or harmony, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pivoting from, because balance is, you know, that can be challenging at times. So I prefer to use work-life harmony. <laughs> I like that as well. Um, that is one I have learned over the years to do better at talking about that integration or that harmony instead of balance, because balancing does kind of imply that something's always falling. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not the goal because yeah. that is stressful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I think leads us to why we're here. And so um, now that we've gotten that off our chest, Lisa, I know that I mm -hmm. asked you guys to join me here, but I'd love for you to tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today. Well, as you introduced us, we are both, uh, you know, certified executive coaches. I'm a certified ex executive coach and Ruby is through my program is certified executive wellness coach. And as you read out, uh, quite adept at stress mastery. And we both are. And we work in tandem, um, you know, in serving and supporting executives. And so May, as we know, is mental health month. And I thought, you know, and at your invitation to speak on the topic of executive uh, wellness and executive burnout, I thought it was a really, uh, you know, timely um, topic to be bringing out and especially because leadership burnout is on the rise. And while some executives may not use the word burnout, many are according to statistics from Deloitte and Gallup, like up to 70% of executives are experiencing, you know, burnout or actually considering leaving their workplace, which is kind of scary because these are our leaders, right? Yeah, so it's an important topic we need to have in the discussion around. Awesome. Yeah, that 70% number is uh, both high and scary. Um, and, and so I also believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus, it gives us purpose, and, and most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our discussion. And so Ruby, if you can, give me what's your best, uh, what's your best hope for our, our conversation today? Well, I hope that we can share some, you know, some tips with executives and even just people in general can actually take away and start implementing daily, you know, to help manage their stress. I always think it's, you know, it's great to actually take a proactive approach to mm -hmm. burnout. So if there are things that you can start doing to prevent you to getting to that burnout stage. But in addition to that, also looking at, you know, taking a good look at how are things going today for you? You know, how have you been on that go, go, go treadmill and you are, you can tell that things are not going well for you. So perhaps this can be a pause and give you some encouragement to take a pause, reflect, and hopefully we can share a few strategies to start, you know, implementing some changes today, this month as well. Awesome. Well, I want to start first um, by having you both to define or give us your view on what burnout is, because it's a term that a lot of people use. Um, and, you know, as Lisa said, a lot of people don't necessarily identify with burnout, but they may identify with what it means. So let's level set on what is burnout? And I'll let either of you begin. Yeah, well, I, if I may, I'd like to recite the World Health Organization because they actually created a diagnostic category and known as burnout. So they put it in as a condition or health issue, if you will, because it's become so prevalent. And 
they actually cite it as an occupational phenomenon. And I just saw that and that was kind of, you know, stood out for me. But really quickly, it's a syndrome that conceptualizes resulting from chronic work stress that, you know, has really not been identified or successfully managed. And it's really characterized by, as they identify three dimensions, right? Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negativism, negative negativity or cynicism about their job and and reduce professional e efficacy and you know i just want to give an example um i heard um the google one of the google's well-being directors share in another podcast his experience with burnout and he said for him he knew he was in a you know a, a significant state of burnout when he could not get out of bed in the morning and he just it was all he could take to get out of bed in the morning to go to his work and hopefully we want to prevent people from getting to that point, right? There's different stages, but if you're at that stage, that's pretty significant and serious. Yeah, I can definitely relate. And I think one of the things that, you know, the energy depletion is probably something that, you know, is a common symptom mm -hmm. um, and the distance, but that last one that you hit on in just feeling the negativity and cynicism like that is one that sometimes you don't really recognize yeah. as burnout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can think of different times in, in my career where I've hit that wall and, and been on that treadmill. And just, you know, as you said that, almost like I had memories kind of play in my head of like, oh, yeah, I became the negative Nancy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it just it was like everything was always wrong. And, you know, like it, nothing was ever going to go right. And it was just and I'm not that person. I'm extremely upbeat and optimistic, yeah. uh, you know, just in general. And at that time, I didn't recognize that as burnout. To me, it was everybody else was the problem. The company is the problem that this is the problem. And that really is, is a symptom there. Um, Ruby, I'd like to hear your perspective as well. Yeah, to add to that, it certainly adds to the dynamics of the company. If you have one person who's feeling mm. negative, it will definitely start infiltrating the culture of the company. But also it's important to realize that we do have workplace burnout. But we have a situation now where, you know, people are dealing with workplace stress in addition to home stress, you know, mm -hmm. we can burn out from whether it's taking care of a loved one or relationship burnout or even academic burnout. So it's a combination of so many factors. Yeah. You know, if you have an individual who's juggling, you know, home, uh, family life and work life, all of those, if you're j just working on one component, the stress of, you know, work might be manageable, but sometimes it's over committing to so many different things that can cause that overwhelm and burnout. And so uh, that, uh, you know, I guess that's where we can lead into boundaries, you know, uh, as we'll talk about shortly, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that that B word is my favorite <laughs> B word. Uh, I've been through a lot of therapy. And uh, that I think is one of the biggest lessons uh, that, you know, I have had to mm -hmm. learn is setting proper boundaries mm -hmm. and realistic expectations of what yeah. I can and can't accomplish. Um, so yes, we will definitely get to the B word. Uh, <laughs> Um, I like that. The viewer. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I want to give you guys a thought that I hear and, and let you guys react to it. So I'm in a lot of, um, you know, communities and Slack groups and things where I'm interacting with other executives. And, 
you know, it's a tough gig. Like mm -hmm. you have to do the actual job. So running marketing in this case, but, you know, executives of all type, uh, you know, all types, you have to do the actual job. You have to manage people and deal with all the people challenges. You have to be able to manage up to the CEO and sideways to your other peers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's like all of these different aspects that come with being in a leadership role, in addition to all of the aspects, as you mentioned, of if you have a family, a spouse, you know, like all of the other things. And I've heard some people say that it just comes with the territory. Like, you know, executives have the higher paychecks by comparison and, and you know, lots of different perks. And, and so some people will just say it just it comes with the gig. Like stress is just a part of it. And it is what it is. And, you know, I'm a believer of like, that can't just, it can't just be what it is. Uh, but would love to hear your thoughts on people that are just like, eh, like it just, I just got to deal with it. Yeah, well, <clears throat> when we just deal with it, that's where unfortunately, we, we many of us end up in that burnout state, you know, and it can creep on us. And I'll be, you know, you said you, you talk a lot about your state, I just, uh, my husband, and I just finished authoring a book, which took about two years through the pandemic. And I didn't realize it. But on the end stage this winter, I was facing the early, very early stages of burnout. Now I'm, I'm an executive wellness coach. And I thought, Oh, my gracious, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. You know, and when we talk about maybe we can bring in the word boundaries, like I, I got so engrossed in what I was doing. I loved it, you know, so but it, it took its toll and I didn't put the boundaries on setting. I mean, there was some nights I was working till three in the morning on my book, you know, where I should have just gone to bed early. So I didn't put those boundaries in place and I didn't have those non-negotiables. Uh, or if I did, I just didn't listen to them. So I think, you know, to, to bring up that boundary word, it's so, so key, right? And just have, what are our boundaries going to be in our work and in our life? Yeah, absolutely. And to add to that, I think it's important to understand that stress in itself is not a bad thing. You know, we need that stress, uh, yeah. you know, challenges for motivation. Imagine if we had no stress. <laughs> I'm sure that sounds great, but we yeah. do need a certain amount of stress. It's when chronic stress becomes unmanageable. That's when, uh, and you know, it we may say it comes with the territory, but we can still implement some strategies to cope with stress, uh, whether it's, you know, we're not, whether it's five, 10 minutes per day, you know, just to break that stress cycle. Uh, one of the things I've always been passionate about is really reinforcing the message that uh, uh, as a personal trainer, you know, for our physical health and our mental health, you know, we want to, I've always shared this quote, we spend the first half of our life sacrificing our health for our wealth. And then mm -hmm. the second half using our wealth to regain our health. So when mm -hmm. we reflect on that, it's important to, in some capacity, whatever that means to each individual person to start, you know, incorporating those uh, stress management techniques to prevent burnout. Yeah. I love that thought because it is so true. Like, you know, I was just talking to some girlfriends about, you know, in our 20s, like our diet was like vodka and pizza. <laughs> and, you know, we were in great shape and all these sorts of things. And now in my 40s, you know, I'm eating kale and, you know, smoothies and all these sorts of things. But it is just like, all this extra effort for supplements and personal trainers and and these to try to regain some of that 
youthful, like, you know, feeling that we had in our bodies. Um, yeah. So that, that's a really good way to think about it. And when you flip that uh, is a good opportunity for us to make the changes sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten young people listening to, to learn ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and um, <clears throat> I may just add, I, I love quotes. I love that one that Ruby, we actually shared it in our book. If you want to come back to it, but a couple, um, couple of little things here is to really zone in on what's one, you know, what's the smallest thing you can do today to make a big difference. And for executives, it may mean, and I, I do this all the time with executives like coaches, you know, even maybe sometimes work with their admin assistants, like you need to carve out that time. I'll give an example. One coach, one executive I coached, I said, how do you decompress during the day? What's your, you know, your health break or whatever. And he said, well, I, I walk to the washroom. <laughs> I said, well, you know, that's it. <laughs> you know, we, we can do better than that. So it's, it, it's case of maybe just carving out that some of that that's pockets of time that you can have, even if it's just 10 minutes, just to put on a little meditation or to walk around the building, but to go, it's typically with executives. And I'm sure those listening here, they're probably the, very much the same as our meetings are back to back. Now, some organizations are getting better now and putting hard boundaries around, you know, the 50 minute meeting and making sure they, they have a hard stop. So they have that 10 minute buffer. But I know a lot of executives I coach, they're literally like hanging up the phone and going to another Zoom call within a matter of a minute or two or eating their sandwich, you know, chasing one meeting <laughs> to the other. Right. <laughs> so it's really a case of, as I said here, you know, we kind of slow down to speed up. So if there's one takeaway I'd like to say today is just we need to slow down to speed up. And what's that one thing, just one small thing we can do today that could make all the difference? Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize just the the huge benefit of even a short walk until I got a dog. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, I got a dog and then uh, just happened that I got him right before the pandemic. But mm -hmm. it was like around noon, he needs to go out. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's the time for his walk. And, you know, we take a 10, 15 minute walk, nothing major, mm -hmm. but I was started doing that every day because he needed to go. And you're right. Just because sometimes it would just be that 10 minute break. Yeah. And that's, sometimes that's all you need. Things. Yeah. And that reset of just getting the fresh air, mm -hmm. walking, moving, you know, that space to just think about whatever comes to mind you know, not having to talk to people like that really did make such a difference yeah. in yeah. my day of being able to just decompress. And yeah. the fact that it happened in the middle of the day, it was like, you get all wound up and then you decompress and you get all wound up and then you can decompress again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The, yeah, there's definitely a lot to what you're saying in making just those small. Yeah. And, and have someone be accountable. Like you have many have a minute assistance or someone or a coworker or set your phone, say, you know, like this is a non-negotiable at 12 o'clock. I am walking my dog. You know, that dog needs to go out and come heck or high water. I'm out at 12 o'clock. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, those walks and getting outside too, that can also improve our sleep as well. Mm. Or if we're not going outside frequently, that can impact our sleep as well. So I think we don't realize just how, you know, our work life can start impacting the rest of our lives from sleep. Even if we're stressed after a long day and we don't decompress, we can take all that stress into our time with our family. You know, we're not present with those moments through the weekends, even, you know, so it can really start to filter into all areas of our lives. 
And so it's, it's you know, just breaking up those, um, just incorporating those small incremental stress uh, techniques can help. Awesome. Um, and Lisa, earlier you mentioned your book, and I want to mm. come back to that. Sure. Um, because I know in your book, um, you talk about the five stages of burnout. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd love to, to hear a little more about that and, you know, start to have a little framework uh, as we discuss around what that looks like. Yeah. And this, uh, thank you for asking, you know, uh, we, we titled it, it was an article that ended up coming in our book. And it was um, through an interview with Mr. Carlos, who's a managing director of Wellness Orbit. And he very succinctly and aptly, you know, pointed out the five distinct phases of burnout. So really quickly, the first two are, you know, uh, we're starting on that burnout, burnout path and we're riding the adrenaline is high. And we're getting so much done and we're riding on that positive stress cycle, right? But then as we, that, that becomes short-lived, that burst of productivity. And there are consequences and negative consequences such as you know we run out of steam we get irritable angry nervous we're getting lots done but we then start taking that on others maybe get insomnia that ruby talked about so then we enter that third stage of burnout where the emotional stress really starts to manifest as physical exhaustion <clears throat> you know we're, we're on that treadmill we can't stop we're tired we can't sleep but we start to experience different health issues which may again be contributed to poor diet lack of exercise poor sleep and we're so craving that peace. We're exhausted, but we just feel we can't stop. But then what happens when we get to phase four, a fundamental mood shift and health crisis can start to happen, right? And, you know, our bodies just start imploding and we start noticing things like, you know, autoimmune issues show up or a whole, you know, any other. And really, of course, we want to try and prevent getting to that stage. But then if we don't nip things in the bud and maybe get the support of, you know, an executive wellness coach like ourselves or a therapist or whoever, depending on where you are in your burnout uh, phase, you know, when we hit that fifth phase, we are really sadly almost at that, you know, the start of depression or maybe in the throes of depression. And as I cited earlier with the Google director who was on the podcast sharing the story, he was to the state where he lost all his joy, his enthusiasm for work. He realized he was in a depression and he just could not get out of bed in the morning. And can I just share a little story that he shared, which, you know, maybe we can talk about it or just to leave this for what it's worth. Well, what really struck me about his story was that he shared with, uh, and this is not to throw shade on Google or anyone, because I, I know it happens, but he shared a story um, that when he came back, he took a sabbatical, took a leave, but when he came back, the leaders and everyone would ask him how his sabbatical was. And he said, it wasn't a sabbatical, it was a mental health leave. And that really struck me because there's still, it just reinforced again, that stigma that's still potentially out there that we cannot use the words mental health leave, that for whatever reason, right, that they had to call it a sabbatical. And he just really, he highlights that, you know, that really brings that out. So I thought, you know, so yeah, there's the five stages and there's that, but also, of course, we want to prevent getting to, to that, that fifth stage of depression. And we want to be able to be comfortable in saying, I need a mental health leave. Yeah. And I want to dig into that stigma a little bit. Um, you know, it's so funny. Like, like I said, I'm very outspoken about my own journey. Mm -hmm. I've gone through depression. Um, you know, I deal with anxiety and I speak very openly about mm -hmm. it. And, you know, my, I remember my mom asking me one time, and she overheard me telling a stranger about my depression. She's like, 
why do you keep talking about that? Why are you letting people in your business, you know, they're going to judge you. And she was like, so concerned mm -hmm. about it. And my response was, that's exactly why I talk about it. Because yeah. most people from the outside look at me and perceive me as having it all together. Yeah. You know, I've even had people be like, oh, you don't have problems. Your life mm -hmm. is just perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm <laughs> over here, hot mess. Um, yeah. And, and so that is one reason that I do talk about my own struggles and journey is to help remove that stigma. And I think that stigma is that much greater when you are in a leadership role, mm -hmm. because you are sort of, you know, especially by those that are under you kind of put on this pedestal as the one that is leading and guiding and has all the answers. And it's almost like, how do I tell these people who, you know, air quotes, look up to me yeah. that I'm struggling? Yeah. Um, you know, how do I tell my peers, you know, because especially, you know, leading marketing, I, it, there, there's been a lot of conversations about marketing, not having the proper seat at the table, not being taken seriously. So then if, you know, you're struggling with these things as well, mm -hmm. you add a layer of being yeah. a, a female executive um, or, you know, mm -hmm. someone who presents as female, being a minority on top of that, like there's all these layers that, in my opinion, make it so much more difficult to be able to say like, hey, I'm struggling. Yeah. Well, if yeah. I could just add there and I'll let defer to Ruby, of course, give her some airtime. But I, uh, I have a, a executive coach who we co-mentor each other and he was a CEO of a healthcare and he works a lot with uh, CEOs of healthcare. And he said, you know, we were talking about preparing for this interview and about the term burnout. And he said, I got to be honest, I don't know if I've ever heard an executive say I'm burnt out. That's not to say they weren't burnt out, but they've never used the term burnt out. And I thought that was, that struck me as really interesting. Yeah. People yeah. say I'm stretched thin, um, yeah. you know, I'm stressed. Yeah. An um, employee may likely say they're burnt out, but you know, he said, I've never heard a senior leader or an executive. And I thought that, you know, and, but many are by the statistics I shared earlier. Right. But they've never used that term. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, one of the myths of burnout is that, you know, you're weak or someone who's burnt out is weak. And which is actually not true because some of the most motivated, energetic, productive employees are the ones that are actually burnt out. So that is one of the, the common myths. And I think the fact that more and more people are starting to talk about it, you know, making it I, and we start to realize that. I'm not the only one who's struggling. And in some areas, and especially in some companies, the more conversations, the more training that they have, the more resources that they provide, and it creates a safe space, you know, for mm -hmm. the employees to feel yeah. that. Uh, and communication is key. You know, if you have a supervisor that you can go to and say, you know, I'm really struggling and I need, you know, some support and not just, I mean, it's great. I love the idea of, you know, taking a mental health day, but if it's if someone is completely is you know at the, that stage five burnout it takes more than just one day you know right. it may yeah. need actually diving in yeah. looking at you know the, their workload looking at their shift you know things like that so but i think it really does start with creating that safe space in the yeah and, and you said it part more their um, communication like we we heard about it we've seen cases of leaders doing videos and vignettes of themselves during the pandemic right mm -hmm. and that they're doing this and i actually cite one in a book who gave me permission he said like i'm taking a mental health leave day and he's the ceo of an organization he came out and he did a video or a message 
And he said, I encourage any employee that needs a mental health leave day to take it. And he really set the bar there and set the tone. And so we need more of that because I think it happened during the pandemic. But now we've been such playing catch up mode and everything that I'm fearful that we stepped away and we're losing that sight of the importance of really tending to our well-being. And it's back to business at hand, right? Yeah, and I think that's one thing that we do here at Tegrita um, is like as a leadership team, we are all very, very transparent mm -hmm. with our own struggles. And, you know, there have been times where I've sent a Slack, like I'm taking a nap, like I have hit a wall, good. I'll be back in an hour or two, like I need to just yeah, good for you. or, good for you. you know, and what I have seen, um, because you know, in a lot of companies an executive being like, I'll be back. I'm taking a nap would be frowned upon. But what I have seen with our team is mm -hmm. exactly what you said in that everyone else is a lot more transparent. Like my team knows I struggle with anxiety. I've had, you know, I've had people come to me and be like, Hey, my anxiety is really triggered when this happens. What have you done to, mm -hmm. you know, deal with that? Um, and, you know, people that I don't normally talk to on a day to day, but they see, you know, my own transparency. Um, and so I do think that that is so important as leaders, because, you know, early in my career, when I did struggle and, and did deal with burnout and, you know, being on that uh, go, go, go treadmill um, or hamster wheel, as some people call it. I don't think I ever felt comfortable being yeah. able to, you know, say that. Like I might call in sick yeah. and, you know, you do the fake, <coughs> but I would never, you know, yeah. in the early stages of my career say like, I need a mental health day. Like, you know, I'm yeah. really struggling here. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I could just give, cause I always like to give takeaways and I know we'll wrap up in a second here, but um, we did a contract, a six month contract with a team of executives in a hospital during the pandemic. And once a month as part of the, along with the individual coaching we supported them with uh, on, you know, employee well or executive well-being, we did a, an executive wellness circle where we would do um, stress mastery, healthy eating, different things. And it, it was just so heartwarming to see them open up and, and to laugh. And, you know, they were in a safe space and they you could tell that this was just something they were just was new to them and they had never experienced this before. And it really opened up that, you know, that level of communication and understanding each other and opening up their vulnerability. And I thought, you know, right on, like we need to do more of that. And that's, you know, yeah. certainly. Because everyone thinks that they are the only ones struggling, but in reality, we are all probably dealing with this uh, yeah. similar issues in just different, you know, different circumstances. Yeah, but we have that I, armor. I we put on that armor, right? As executives, we wear right. cloak of armor. So I love what you do, Brandy, how you communicate, you know, and you have that safe space mm -hmm. in your, with your team, because I'm sure that enables them to come to you as well. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. yeah, we have, we thankfully, knock on wood, have really low turnover. Um, and I definitely would attribute like being a safe space um, where people can, you know, be authentically themselves uh, as one of those things. Nice. Um, I want to shift to my, my last question. Um, and Ruby, I'll start with you, but then Lisa, I definitely yeah. want to hear your thoughts as well. Sure. Um, we've talked a lot about what burnout is and, and how people get here. Um, I want to talk about measures of how do we avoid it? You both talked about the importance of like not 
waiting until it gets bad to, you know, trying to cure it, um, but actually thinking about prevention. And so what measures can we take to try to avoid experiencing burnout? Well, I would say, number one, identify what areas or the stresses that are currently in your life. We can't fix anything if we're not aware of it. So, you know, just writing down a list of everything, maybe commitments, you know, or, or things that are stressful or challenging right now. And then taking a really good look and seeing where can some adjustments be made? How could, could you perhaps clear your calendar? Can you start saying uh, no to making, to overcommitting? So starting from number one, taking a look at your calendar for this month, for May, you know, where in your calendar or what areas can you take a good look at and start making some changes? Hmm. I like that. No is a complete sentence. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes um, sometimes we forget that. Yeah. And, and if I could just add to that, um, and of course, being executive wellness coaches and specializing in stress mastery and burnout, you know, as two areas, um, seek out the support. It could be a buddy. It could be an executive wellness coach like Ruby and I. And just to give you another little personal story, like um, coming out of my burnout, Ruby, you know, we work together quite closely and, um, you know, I would make myself accountable to her. And I say, Ruby, here's some personal goals. And, we, you know, we're on WhatsApp and we'd relay back and forth. And she nicely would come back the next day. So how did you do with that goal? And it was amazing. And like I said, I'm an executive wellness coach, but it doesn't matter. I mean, we all have our personal issues and our fallibles, you know, um, we're fallible, right? And, and uh, so, you know, reach out to someone. It could be a, if you're really in the end stage, the fifth stage, reach out to a therapist, you know, you really do need that. And, um, and otherwise, you know, uh, maybe an executive wellness coach or someone like ourselves, or just a, a buddy at work, just have someone that you can talk to and share, because that's really the first start starting point is just acknowledging it openly communicating and then get some accountability or get some support. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then I want to, in, you guys brought up something to do earlier that I, I want to bring back up. And that's the B word, uh, mm -hmm. the, the boundaries. You talked about boundaries and non-negotiables um, as a way to prevent burnout. And so I want to, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier in our discussion, but this is one like understanding and, and really enforcing your own boundaries yeah. and what is non-negotiable for you. I know it's made such a huge difference in my own life. Mm -hmm. So I'd really like to have you guys um, both to address the B word, um, because I know from just talking to others that boundaries, especially in the workplace, um, is something that's difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you know, um, again, I was talking to about my co-mentor there earlier, and we were talking about executive stress and burnout. And he said, you know, one thing that he coaches a lot, especially around time management, because poor time management, right, leads to poor energy management or vice versa. And so one thing he said he really coaches uh, around a boundary is to eat the frog first thing in the morning eat that frog first thing in the morning. So tackle your most challenging things because what happens is procrastination, right? <laughs> we don't, we want to avoid that obviously. And so when we don't just address things head on, we procrastinate and that we ruminate and then that just compounds and compounds through the day, through the week, we keep putting it off. So whatever it is, whatever the challenging assignment is, just tackle it, get it done, get it off your plate. And that for me is a real uh, key boundary is that like I, if there's something 
that I know I have pressing, I have to do, or I've been putting it off. I just, I get it done. I just tackle it first thing. And it's just amazing how it frees your mind and just frees you up to do other important work. Right. And then Ruby, what about you? What are your thoughts around the B word? Yeah. So I, I, I took a different take on this with one of my clients because she, you know, she's always doing everything for everyone else, really committed to everyone else. So I, we, you know, in our discussions, I said, okay, let's put one boundary in place just for you. What, did you love doing that you don't do anymore because mm -hmm. you know you've decided that no you don't have the time for but she said well I used to love painting you know as a child I used to love painting but I just don't have the time or I'm not that creative and you know I just don't think I could do that anymore and then I said why not you set that boundary on yourself that you can't do it you don't have the time how about we reframe that and include something that you enjoy every day or every week rather mm -hmm. where it's just something for you you take yourself out whether it's painting um in the park it doesn't even have to be perfect and I think we've lost the idea that we can be happy that we can have fun you know it doesn't have to be all mm -hmm. uh go 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 that even just incorporating something creative for yourself even in the kitchen you know that is a boundary that you can set where you decide I'm going to spend some time with me. I'm going to do something that I like. So we can look at it that way too, especially for people that find it difficult to say no, we'll start saying yes to you. So that's the way. I love that. I received that same advice um, years ago and it caused me to change my schedule. So like mm -hmm. now on Fridays, I realized that my Friday afternoons were ridiculously unproductive. Like it was almost like I'm here, but you know, I'm just here. Uh, and, and so when I got that advice, I actually like based on my, you know, I'm divorced. And so based on my schedule uh, for my son, I always have Friday afternoons free. Like I'm, you know, don't have my son. And so I changed my schedule so that on Fridays, I stopped working at one o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so from one o'clock to six o'clock every Friday, I know that I have that time to do what I enjoy, whether yeah. it's happy hour with a girlfriend, scheduling a massage, you know, whatever it is that I feel like, you know, laying on the couch and reading a book or sometimes yeah. just laying on the couch and sitting still, uh, <laughs> you know, I know that I have that corner of time every week. So, you know, I might miss out on lunch a couple of days or I might have a couple of late nights or, you know, whatever the case may be, that same advice led me to say, you know what, I really wasn't getting much done on Friday afternoons anyway. So, you know, my job's not suffering because I really wasn't productive. So now I, as a person, am experiencing that mm -hmm. benefit. And that's a hard boundary. Like every mm -hmm. blue moon, I adjust my schedule for something important. But generally speaking, my team knows, get it from me, you know, before one o'clock on Friday or wait till Monday. Like, it, you know, it, it's, it's people have learned that. Um, so talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And mm -hmm. so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework. And I guess in this case, you guys kind of are the therapist. We always flip that on its head and ask our guests to give our audience some homework. And so I am a believer in taking action. I always mm -hmm. like to have a clear next step. Um, so we like to have the one thing 
that people can do to move the needle in the right yeah. direction. And I know you guys have given us a number of suggestions throughout this episode, uh, but I'd love for you each to quickly distill it down to one. What is the one action item yeah. you want our listeners to take? Well, I think we've talked about it, but just to really, you know, bring it all full circle is to just look at your calendar today. And where is some, you know, where will you commit to your health and well-being? And where can you block out 10 minutes, 30, ideally an hour? Or maybe like in my case, it might be taking one day. I never used to, I used to always work through Sundays. Recently, I, through, you know, Ruby and I's discussion, I just committed to just taking Sundays completely off now. And I do not. And that was part of my recovery process. I need, I want to get back to church and do things, fun things for me. So it's, for me, I scheduled that that full day. I may have to work a little extra in the evenings to do that. But now I know I have a full day to decompress and recharge. And that's working so well. Yeah. So just look for that one, one hour, one half a day, or maybe a full day, whatever. But just some me time to decompress, recharge, and, you know, realize that life is worth living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Any other action for you, Ruby? Or Ruby? Uh, yes. Uh, one thing I've seen work really well is when people just start taking a 10-minute walk every mm -hmm. day. Just start yeah. for 10 minutes. And within a week, almost always, I hear, oh, my gosh, I went 20 minutes. This time yeah. I went 30 minutes. It's so much easier than I realized. So start incorporating that 10-minute walk, and you will not regret it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So for those listening, we've got two action items. We're going to start walking for 10 minutes every day, which is totally doable. <laughs> and the second is we're going to take a close look at our calendar and we are going to find some corner of time mm -hmm. that we can consistently block out uh, for me time. Me time. Yeah. Uh, well, Lisa, Ruby, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Mm -hmm. Before we go, uh, I'm sure there are some people listening who are like, oh, I need to talk to you more. Uh, so how can our audience connect with you? Okay, well, uh, I'm available again, uh, you know, you can connect with me through LinkedIn, Lisa Kelly on LinkedIn or through our website, uh, Workplace Wellness Center of Excellence. So that's workplacewellnesscoe.com. And uh, yeah, and you can learn more about our book through there, our podcast and, uh, you know, our programs and services, especially our executive coaching uh, services and our programs. Yeah. Awesome. Anything you want to add, Ruby? Uh, the best place for me is on LinkedIn, Ruby Makuni. And yeah, to add to what Lisa said, but uh, LinkedIn will be the best for me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to put all of those links in the show notes. Um, so wherever you are watching or listening this podcast, all the links that Ruby and Lisa have shared are there so that you can connect, uh, continue to learn from them. And if you're interested to be able to work with them as well. Um, Ruby, Lisa, thank you so, oh, thank so you. much. I have enjoyed our discussion, but, uh, we it's it's time to go i can't believe we're already at the end <laughs> yeah well take care everyone awesome you. we will see you next time okay bye you've been listening to revenue rehab with your host brandy star your session is now over but the learning has just begun join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at revenuerehab.live we're also on twitter and instagram at revenue rehab this concludes this week's session We'll see you next week.